You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick and today Katie Muldoon is back. Uh, to talk about what's happened in her second year of business building. So for those of you who don't have a recollection of the childhood books, novels, What Katie Did, there was a book called What Katie Did, and then there was another book called What Katie Did Next. So, Katie, what did you do next? (laughs) First of all, tell us... Tell us a bit about your journey so for those of us who haven't met you before and then tell us what you did next. I will. Thank you very much for inviting me back. Um, one year on uh, from our last uh, conversation. So, so yes, yeah, so I set up my coaching business and I did it slightly differently. I didn't have a pipeline of clients. I didn't um, have an associate role. I went all out and just started a coaching business from scratch. And um, it came from, um, well, something we've all experienced, which was lockdown. And um, during lockdown, I cared for my mum, who um, who died during lockdown. And one of the things that we had the privilege of talking about was what did I really want to do? What did I and, you know, I of all the tragedies that happened during lockdown, that valued time with my mum. I'll never forget and I'll cherish forever that I was able to have those wonderful conversations with her. And um, I promised her I would start this business. And so not not wanting to let her down. um, And I'm sure my therapist would look into that and go, "Mm -hmm," not wanting to let her down. I am. I started my own business. And um, I built it around a concept um, which wasn't just, hey, I'm a coach, hire me. I wanted it to be about something bigger than that. And so I named the company Yellow Rattle. And Yellow Rattle um, is named after a plant that is scattered when other plants cannot grow. So the idea behind it is that if leaders want to create um, an atmosphere, an environment of diversity, just as Yellow Rattle does for the for the plants, um, they might want to come and chat to me. They might want to come and say, how do I do this? And together, that's where um, we build um, a good conversation around what they might want to do. So two years in, um, I'm really pleased to say I have a diversity of clients. Um, so I've uh, widened my reach and not only diversity of clients, but diversity of gender as well. So um, I can say at the moment I'm currently um, 50 percent um, men and 50 percent women. So wow. um, it's a uh, it's a real pleasure to get that diversity, but also um, the diversity of where they work as well, the challenges and opportunities that they bring. That's an amazing story, Katie, and I'm sad to hear about your mum. Thank you. Um, my mum also died in lockdown. Oh, I'm sorry as well. So I get that. Yeah. And what a beautiful thing that yeah. that as she went, your business was born. Correct. Absolutely right. Wow. So 
what did you do next? Well, I um the one of the first things I'll just maybe do a reminder for those who've heard. Yeah, sure. Um but um the the thing that kept me going with the idea so you get the idea that comes into your head that you're going to do it and then you get the idea what am i doing <laughs> as you st- as you start this and i joined i was i did my qualification through henley and i joined a group of other coaches who were aspiring to build their own business and i would say to anyone um and that was how we were introduced in fact um yes. from from that group and I would say to anyone thinking of starting their own business, do that. Because that collaboration, that reach out, that group who keep you going is really, really important. And so I would say during my first year, that was so important to have that group. Um, but in my second year, um, we spoke about three things that I focus on when building the business. And they're not my ideas. Um, they're, they're things I've read about. Um, but they really help me. And that's the focus. Um, on the business, in the business, and on me. And at sometimes one will be higher than the other. Um, but you've got to kind of do a reflective practice on where am I at the moment? This and do I need to rebalance in any way? Yeah. And year two, I um, have really deep dived into professional development. Huh? So, so yeah. So this is the thing: is I had this idea around. Um, the role of um, psychodynamic coaching and what would it take for me to become a really, really good psychodynamic coach? And that doesn't mean I don't do other styles, um, but I wanted to um, really focus in on this one. And so I commenced um, uh, therapeutic training. So um, I have just completed year one of my um, course in uh, what we call analytic psychology which is the study of uh, Carl Jung's work so year one has just finished but also I had the crazy idea that I would pitch this idea about what yellow rattle stood for and that it would be a different way of working with leaders um, to a um, to a business school and I came second in their dragon's den and they gave me a scholarship to go and do an executive MBA. Wow. So so not only am I doing the analytical psychology course, I'm doing um, the MBA part time as well. So what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to see how business and analytical psychology, where do they meet and what could become of those two courses of study so that's been the big aim for year two is that is that blend um and and what's come out of it that's extraordinary because um recently we had Kirsty Papworth Drummond Kirsty Drummond Papworth on the podcast and she was talking about doing two different master's degrees that each put a different lens on a piece of work yeah wow wow I will need to listen to that because I'm still very curious around um, what's what's coming out of those two courses. So not only um, as in what could I what could I do with it, but importantly, and in in good coaching practice, what's coming up for me? So what are the things that are being awoken in me through the two courses? That sounds like you're doing three courses. 
Yeah, right. And there's the on me bit. There's the on yeah, me bit. Yes. Um, uh, as to what's being what's being working in me. Yes, very much. Very wow. Much. Wow, that's some investment, Katie. Yeah, and you know, it's it's there are definitely days where I'm having the what am I doing moments, um, but there are some real moments where I can say this is why I'm doing it, and when I'm when I'm working with so I've, if I go sort of into the the different people I'm working with the insights you can see where they blend because of what we're talking about and it's really really interesting if I give an example I did um, a, a finance module um, uh, for the MBA and it blew my mind I was oh my goodness it was like learning another language as well as trying to um, be able to do the maths it was really really hard and then a client um, described a problem they were having and it was like another language and my own anxiety started to rise Ah. with I don't know what they're talking about but of course I don't need to know what they're talking about and what it drew on it drew on my ability to go I can get through this so it was actually the process of the learning on the financial module that reinforced my coaching ability to stay with it wow and you know and that was not an outcome I thought but that's what my brain pulled on was hey this is just like the finance thing stick with it listen pay attention and my anxiety just fell away wow and I was able to then ask good coaching questions but to begin with my anxiety rose you know and I thought wow that's a learning I didn't think was going to come from these two courses how extraordinary how very extraordinary I love the the meaning making that you're weaving in between yeah not and clearly it's not only from the content, clearly it's also from the process. Very, very much. And yeah. I think I think this is the I think this is a really important thing for coaches building their own businesses or certainly early years um, in the early years of your coaching is it can be easy to go. There's easier stuff to do that I, I don't need to do this. But if you're noticing that this stuff is coming up for you that's the work and it is the most um fulfilling job you could ever have if you are able to notice the stuff that comes up for you because in the work that I do with um Carl Jung's work and I know that a lot of coaches enjoy his work um his whole um big picture his big idea is about the process of individuation where we become whole again so the learning that we do as young adults um to fit in to society or to fit out whatever the drive is um your journey at sort of midlife is to integrate your whole experiences and fully accept who you are and work on acceptance so it's the kind that says, how do I want to be and what do I need to look at? Mm. And I think this is the this is the big part is that learning. And I say this to all coaches is 
um, keep learning whatever you're doing, because it's learning isn't about passing exams. It's about um, curiosity, because whilst you're in curiosity, you don't fear it. And so as your clients start to talk to you about what they might discover, they're in a learning space. And if you're anxious because you're trying to solve their problem or you're not sure that you'll be able to handle what they could come up with, um, the learning really helps, as as in my example. Yeah, and the learning that you're describing is not the acquisition of knowledge, is it, Katie? The learning you're describing is is the integration of the thing. Absolutely right. Absolutely. And this is this is why it's um, when we um, when we talk to clients about um, the work, the work is in between the sessions. And so this is where um, it does take a little bit before uh, for us to do, but we need to do that too. And so if you if you kind of can finish a session with um, the work is is what happens now. It's that it's that integration process between this session and the next session. And so when people say, oh, have you how did you get on in that exam or how did you study or what have you? Um, you'll find the capacity to learn isn't actually about how many hours you can pack into memorizing things. It's actually the bit before that. It's the bit that says what happened for me in that process? How did I feel? When I saw that finance and all those different languages, you know, everything was in Greek letters um, and what have you. And I then processed it in a way that said, how do I retell what I learned differently so that I understand it, the meaning making. Mm. And it, we were able to at home. Um, I did. I actually spoke to my partner at home and I said, how do I do this? Because I can't seem to I have a real blocker by integrating what this is about. And we spoke about a topic that we both understand and we translated it. So do you think that beta is actually this? And then we integrated it. And now without notes, without uh, any memory prompts, I can explain aspects of the finance module, pulling on my own previous experience in a different context. And, and that's a really important part for everybody is how important context is for how we deal with the situation and so this is um what i talk to clients about in terms of their noticing and about context wow and you still got time to have a relationship and clients <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> i know gosh yes it's um well hey you know though this is um this is uh, a little bit about um, the, the the part of me as a as a young adult, which um, I really pulled on, which was my really high organisation skills and my really strong structure, and um, I was rewarded for that for as a young adult for for everything, but never for my creativity, never for my ideas, uh, never for my um, storytelling. Never for my humour, which is what I craved to be noticed for. And so, th again, this is part of my own journey with this is 
actually that bit about my young adulthood about being highly structured about being highly organized yeah I'm going to keep hold of that bit because that's really really helpful but actually I've let go of enormous amounts of aspects that other people praised me for um for example agreeableness um so I would find it very hard to say no if logistically it was possible so um I've worked really hard to say actually no but what I can do is this and that dis- that disagreeableness still gives me a little bit of a oh, moment as I, as I say it but if I said yes to everything I couldn't have a relationship I couldn't have the clients I would be overwhelmed and probably over promising and under delivering so boundaries um have really come to the fore for me as I've been building my coaching business as well and so um I'm very careful about how many clients I have to ensure that every client um gets the best of me as well and so um it's good but that's where that balance comes back again there's three pillars so when I do the reflection um at the end of a, a fortnight I reflect back and go wow there's been a lot of that and not a lot of that how is the next two weeks going to look and what am I going to do about it wow can I just sense check something it sounds as though the study is part of your working life rather than an extra thing that Mm. you squeeze in at midnight very much a hundred percent Yes. Yeah. And um, we I have um, evenings are sacrosanct um, Uh for um, for uh, conversation with my partner. Um, Also, um, for those of you who have looked at my website or may subsequently look at my website, you'll see that my dog features a lot. And um, he um, he he works as my mirror as well. And so um, it's it's very interesting. It is um, whenever I might be um, sort of becoming anxious about a conversation or anything like that, um, when the call is closed and I, I move out of the room, he will come to me. It's very interesting how he responds afterwards. So I look at him as part of my reflective practice to wow. see what really happened for me in in the call so so yes so i would say um you're absolutely right um my study um does form part of my um working week um so it's not it's not in the evenings um and i'm very um lucky that i have a very supportive partner who understands that actually um for her um this is also our investment so um i get a lot of support from her um, to do that and I'm very very grateful um, that I'm she's on the journey with me if you like um, so yeah um, but I would also say as well just um, there's a really important part that I I've, I don't really mention that much I don't think I'll notice if I do from now on about um, body mind um, integration um, and the reason I mention it is I run with my ah. dog that's that's my exercise that's my exercise we, we, we do a sport called canny cross um with a club um which is a i think it's based in nordic 
um, sports, but you run as you run together, but the dog is attached to you um, uh, with um, uh, with an ergonomic harness and everything. It's all very um, there's no harm or anything done to the dog as they run, um, and he loves it and I love it, and it's a great community um, that that runs together. Um, but I my essay for my um, therapy um, studies this year was called um, "Being a Body and Having a Mind." Ah. So it was um, uh, very much about the relational aspect um, around how what is our body telling us um, as much as what is our head telling us. And I think um, that's part of integration Um, and a core principle as well for many, many coaching disciplines um, around what we notice um, with our with our clients and what we notice in ourselves, which our first sense might be a physical sensation. Um, so, so yes. So the reason I mentioned that is to remind people that we've spoken so far about the mind, study, work on self, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But just to bring in in year two, I wanted to remember that actually my focus here was big brain work. How was I going to ensure that I didn't become disembodied in the whole process? And so we started this running. Well, we started running with a club. Um, to make sure that we we um my dog's fully embodied (laughs) but for me to make sure that I I didn't lose I didn't lose um the 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 need to feel alive and to get and to get my body moving and that's so important isn't it that that whole thing there's um a beautiful sculpture um and I'll put it in the in the show notes the the link to it but it's a this this sculptor has done a number of of bronze casts of enormous heads and tiny okay. bodies wow what a metaphor yeah and i you know there's such a risk in coaching that we begin to believe that it's all about our head and then Absolutely. our head starts to engage with the head of the person we're working with doesn't it and then we get into a very imbalanced engagement absolutely right and in um particularly in the psychodynamic practice um and and always by consent i will raise may i offer um what i'm experiencing here because this is a really this and then both the person-centered and and i know psychodynamic is a is a is a part of person-centered but the um the way that I that I work is um, I bring it up because two people conversing is part of the process. And it's that conscious to conscious, conscious to unconscious um, communication that we have that may open um, what the other is unaware of. And and I also, you know, I very much say to um, my clients as well, um, those check ins. Can I check in with you? You know, is this is this where you want to be? Is this is this working for you? Um, what are you feeling? And it's just getting that sense that might give us an insight into um, what is not being said. And knowing in this space, you can be you can be who you are. We're not in a meeting. We're not actually aiming for an outcome that we all agreed at the start of the meeting in an agenda. Mm. It's that that can change in our conversation because of what we're discovering. 
Um, and it's interesting is one of the um, companies that I work with, um, they are a tech, large tech company. And um, I applied for a job that wasn't what they were. So I wasn't what they were looking for. And I thought, I'm going to do this anyway, because I think I might be what they're looking for. But they don't know that. And fingers crossed they might talk to me. And they shortlisted me. And they went very intrigued at your application because building on what I'm saying here about a coaching practice is in building tech, you don't know what you're going to build. You don't know if it's going to work, but you can only do it by trying and accepting that, hey, that didn't work, but we learned this. The great stuff. And I said, well, can I bring my coaching practice to the people who are building this? And let's see what happens. And they gave me a three month trial to do it. And one year later, I'm still um, hired by them. Wow. So um, it's it's a uh, it's great. We we review as this, as we should um, very frequently around how it's working. But it's um, I love it, and the folks who are working on it are solving really big stuff for society. Um, so it's there's real meaning for me, and I'm aware that I can become invested in what they're doing. So that's part of my reflective practice is um, is what we're doing, but. That building this coaching mindset, that coaching conversations and me not solving it for them is really helping them move further and faster um, because of what we're able to build together. But if I were talking about that in the tech space, they would say, yeah, 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 that's exactly right. That's how we that's how you build tech. What are you on about? But when everyone's focus is on the object not the experience of the people they're like we're doing it we're using the methodologies but we're not getting the results because you're all looking that way yes and i said i'm gonna look that way i'm sorry i'll do this on screen and i know we're audio <laughs> i think i hope your your listeners know that i'm moving left and right here um <laughs> but um but but i was really pleased that the company in like the novelty of the of the of the pitch and um and said yeah we'll give it a go and we'll see we'll see what happens although you weren't what we thought we were looking for twice at least in this conversation katie you've talked about being you and being willing to be different in pitches and you've also described being really clear (laughs) about the added value that the that the difference the different lens that you're using is going to bring to a particular piece of work. I love that clarity. Thank you. Um, but I think it's, um, I think you've got to practice that, practice what you're preaching in this. You know, you've got to, you've got to go out there and if you discover whatever, whatever you discover your own complexes are, or your own anxieties are, is to find safe ways of experimenting to explore them and know that they're temporary. And the fear of failure, if you fail, yes, you know, you are going to feel something from it, but it's the knowledge that you'll get through it 
and you can process it and acknowledge all of those feelings, which are totally valid. But then process them. And then when you go for a pitch, you know, I'm a one person business. Those pitches take unpaid time and effort that might result in nothing. And sure, I lean on my highly organized, structured, younger self to ensure that I've got that balance right. But yeah, I'm full of anxiety that this pitch isn't going to work mm-hmm. and there's no work that's going to come from it. But what happens is if you don't go for them, you get no work anyway. You know, so it's that, it's that kind of thing. But then as you become more familiar with the process and more confident, those pitches are a process. They're just part of my experience. And you become much more open to the number of possibilities because suddenly they appear. And it's not because they weren't there. It's because um, I think what Jung would call synchronicity is you start to see things because you're able to see them, Mm. not because they weren't there. So year two has been really all about work on the inside of you. Yeah, yeah, very much. Very much. You're going to like our new book. I hope you're going to like our new book. I will. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I would No, there's no hope about it, Claire. I will. Um, but that, it's, uh, it'll be, I look forward to it. It's refreshing to hear that so early in your coaching journey, you're paying such extraordinary attention to the inside work. Thank you. Um, very, very good advice I've got. Very good teaching. Because the outside work is shiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it can be when it's shiny, it can be the things you chase. You know, and the inside work um, is messy and difficult um, and um, and vulnerable. And don't forget, you know, you you know, I know that you're I don't need to explain anything to you, but it's um, it is. It's uh, it's a thing which when we work in persona, who do I need to be? We need persona, but it can't just be who we are because we do have different roles in life and we do have to play different, uh, differently depending on the context. But when, when all we are is persona, um, our self can be um, almost eliminated. And then that's when it rises at the most inappropriate moments um, because it says, hey, I'm here. I'm you. And um, this isn't us. This isn't who we are. And so that work on self is so fundamental in these early years um, so that you can build um, a strong practice. Um, But also in the in the idea of the of the concept is who then could you work with um, because of that strong foundation? And that's that's my sort of North Star Mm -hmm. is um, in terms of the world we're living in now. We have some really difficult challenges um, that it, is that no one group or no one person can solve. And naturally, I turn to climate change, um, but also is the, the very much more tactical level around how we function day to day with our neighbours. And um, when our when we're more in correspondence with 
an avatar that we've never met online in real life. What does that mean for us? And that's that's why is when I do this amount of work, I hope in years to come, um, I'll be working with people who um, are going to be the foundations of solving um, this stuff. Um, but that's my that's my North Star. That's my big ambition is that hopefully um, I'll be a small cog in a, in a massive machine that's trying to ensure that we have um, humanity um, on our on our planet. I'm sitting here wondering how um, our listeners are are feeling about what they're hearing because wow. this is this is a business building episode. It is, yes. <laughs> yeah, and and in the best possible sense, it's been all about you. And it absolutely has. <laughs> <laughs> it has how to build a business yeah focus on self but hey you know this is and you know this is um this is a really difficult thing for people as well is especially um people who who find that they are the folks who do things for others um and um uh you know and we i talk um a little bit in in some coaching practices about agency and how um, overplayed strengths um, can actually be our undoing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we think we're being kind and we're avoiding discomfort and taking difficulties away from people, we're actually taking their agency. We're taking their choice away, their ability to say, yes, but I can do it. Or thank you for sharing. Actually, no. We took that from them. We took their choice from them out of kindness. And actually, it wasn't kind. You and that's when are, we overplay. You are going to love Kirsty Drummond Papas podcast from a few weeks ago. You truly are. Looking it up. <laughs> I will be looking it up after this. Because that's, that's what she's talking about. So she's talking about the difference between compassion and kindness. Very good. And Very good. We're going to she and I are going to do another podcast because the 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 connector I think between what you said and what Kirsty said in her podcast is the impact that that has on partnership. Yeah, and and the impact that that lack of partnership that's created by that imbalance then has on the coaching process. Absolutely. And we're in the transactional analysis space, parent child um, idea. And I think it's 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 fundamental to um, the process, because what we're modeling in coaching is how people can then have conversations at work. And that this is what it is about the process as much about what we're what the topic we're talking about. We're modeling adult to adult conversation parent to parent conversation um so that it can be seen that that is how we should be having conversations outside of the coaching space not just in the coaching space well katie thank you for all of this is there anything else that you want to share with us Um, well thank you no it's been um it's been a pleasure to talk all about me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thank you. Um, it's, um, I, I am actually going to count this as my reflective practice today. So, um, uh, I hope I hope it's been helpful for people actually, um, just to show um, that it what we some what we measure um, around progress isn't um, isn't actually necessarily right for us. So, so what society values. Um, actually, I'm hoping that we're going to move as a society, as you know, why, why I set this company up, as to what we actually measure. And um, that work on self um, is the foundation, not just for coaches, but it's the foundation for leaders um, so that when they're leading, they don't bring their own anxieties mm. to the organisation. Um, and um, and so, hey, I could talk about that aspect, that all about object relations and all all sorts of stuff um, another time. But thank you, Claire, uh, for inviting me back. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Katie Muldoon, for coming to the Coaching Inn. How do people get in touch with you if they want to talk about a different kind of thinking with you? Well, um, they're very welcome. Um, website would probably be my first um, my first stop, but I um, I post regularly on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. And Instagram, but also I do a monthly reflection um, on Substack, and um, the Substack reflection is about what our old myths and legends can tell us about what it is to be human. Um, so uh, they're not uh, they're not data driven um, uh, blogs. They're about what did our ancestors already get before they had the data sounds like we need to do an episode on that next year <laughs> oh well yeah well that would be cool um but yeah i'd, I'd be totally up for that this uh, this the um stories myths legends what they can tell us about us um and archetypes so um again based on my knowledge of jung is um he he developed archetypes because he studied stories and legends from all around the world and even though all of these people had never met, they all had very similar archetypes, very similar characters in their stories, heroes, mothers, tricksters, things like that, which he then said, well, hey, this must be inherently part of our psyche um, as humans. And this is where our stories come from. And you'll see, hopefully in my blog, uh, you'll see that actually they're very, very pertinent to who we are as people today. As, well, as much as they were thousands of years ago. Come back, Katie. <laughs> I'd be <laughs> delighted. I'd be delighted. So everyone, thank you for listening to The Coaching In. I'm Claire Pedrick and I've been in conversation with Katie Meldoon. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.